Hello, and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I would like to welcome to the show today, Jared Sheehan. Jared is the president of NECA Health Intelligence, the econometric and digital arm of NECA Enterprises. NECA Enterprises spans the healthcare continuum by providing strategic, operational, and tactical support to leading healthcare organizations. Their team brings a blend of medical, economic, and startup experience to identify strategic margin improvement opportunities and deliver results through tech-enabled services. Hello, Jared, how are you? And thanks for being on the show. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So if you could, for our audience, please give them a little bit more information about your background and how you became the president of NECA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my background has kind of moved all over the place, but uh, initially out of school, I joined Deloitte Consulting and did a number of strategy and process-related projects, um, a lot of them in the healthcare space, so working on the uh, PPACA, often known as Obamacare, uh, Medicare, Medicaid programs at the state level, trying to help uh, design and develop the eligibility systems for people who, to, to see if people were essentially able to be eligible for Medicaid, Medicare, um, as well, worked with hospital providers, doing strategy projects, insurance companies, pharma companies, nonprofit health organizations. Um, and then after Deloitte, left and went to the startup world, worked with um, uh, a number of children's hospitals across the U.S. and Canada uh, on the fundraising side. We did some work with the, uh, in the, the, overdose space and trying to reduce the number of overdoses that were happening in the U.S. and, um, and have worked as well uh, doing some surgical related technology and different things like that. So Nika was a great fit for me um, just because I've kind of gone all over the, the technology, economic strategy, and all related to healthcare. So a lot, a lot of experience there. Very cool. And thank you for providing. And that brings us to the topic that we want to talk about today. So we want to kind of highlight the product that you guys are working on at NECA. If you would, give us a description of kind of what it is, what it does in telehealth and how it came to be. Yeah, and you know, in our intro, we mentioned that this is the digital arm of the enterprises. So um, what I would say is, first of all, that NECA Enterprises puts the patient first uh, and, and always first, which is, I think, really important because there's a lot of things that are happening in healthcare today that aren't necessarily doing that. That's really a, a core part of our ethos and structure as an organization. Um, now within NECA Digital, there are two different arms, the econometrics and the digital side of things. So the, the econometrics product is essentially machine learning algorithms analysis for uh, healthcare data and optimization across the care continuum. So looking at uh, specific pain points in hospital operating margins and trying to figure out how from a care perspective, we can improve those, thinking about improved intervention rates and things like that. Um, and then on the digital side, uh, the idea is that we're putting the, the patients in control of their health records. So uh, the idea is that there's a suite of different products, uh, including clinical connectivity, that includes scheduling, recording, telehealth, uh, billing, and ERX. There's a uh, clinical trial software to improve you know, recruitment and compliance and shorten trial duration, et cetera. And then we have a wellness application to support mental health patients and frontline providers and different things like that. So it's a, it's a suite of things, but you know, the product all focuses on key areas where digital um, and econometric work help the healthcare space. Got it. And uh, I've heard you mention this word a couple of times. I'd love to hear a little bit about a little bit more about it and how it specifically applies to NECA. Uh, econometric, you've used this a few times. 
talk to me a little bit more about kind of the emphasis and what that means behind the work that you guys are doing. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a blend of different uh, studies. Um, so, you know, it's the uh, statistical methods of economic data. So it's really trying to put a, a, a quantitative analysis on the economy. And, you know, in the healthcare space, healthcare economy is a very unique um, and, and odd sort of space. The, the majority of the organizations in the healthcare, particularly on the provider side, hospital providers, are mostly nonprofits. So econometrics for the provider space is actually a very interesting area of focus. So you, know, you, don't, have, you don't have mergers and acquisitions the same way that you would in other industries where you see consolidation when you have you get a few big players and things like that. Everything's also very regional or local, right? Every every town, every city needs some sort of healthcare provider, um, and so you, you see a lot of different um, uh, economic disparities related to that. And there's been a lot of studies related to it over the years. So the econometrics piece is really trying to say how how do we quantitatively look at the healthcare continuum and figure out specific um, costs and areas of, of improvement that way. So it is an interesting word though. Definitely, definitely a fun one. It's always good to kind of get that nomenclature down for your specific target market or industry. Got it. Thank you for the background. It's helpful. And let's kind of talk a little bit more about, so a lot of what we talk about here on the product launch show for those that are building cool products in specific industries are the problems that they solve, right? So what problems specifically does Nika solve and for whom as part of the process and what you guys are building? Yeah, and to get into the problem component of it, it helps to give a little bit of background behind Nika. So um, our founder at Nika is Dr. Amin Kassam, who's a leading neurosurgeon, uh, has led four separate neurosurgical programs across the US and created um, three pretty novel surgical procedures. He was you know, a leader and a number of other startup companies um, and has been an executive in the healthcare industry for the last you know, 20 years um, and some pretty large enterprises, you know, University of Pittsburgh and Advocate Aurora Healthcare um, and now is the founder of NECA. So the, the important of that piece of it is he's, he's been kind of a, a leading neurosurgeon for a long time and has developed a clinical practice, hence the NECA Enterprises approach. And a lot of the areas of focus for us are specifically things that he has learned over the years and dealing with patients and trying to improve the patient experience, trying to reduce anxiety in the process, trying to improve outcomes and all those sort of things. So, um, you know, the, the products that we have are all areas that, uh, you know, he has struggled with in organizations that he's had to try to figure out. Right. So, you know, if you think from a clinical perspective, um, oftentimes, there, there are challenges with uh, specific software systems that uh, patients aren't able to take their data and port it over to another hospital system. Like, you know, for instance, if you wanted to have uh, a knee replacement at one hospital and you want to have a, you know, a brain surgery at a separate hospital, you really can't, you don't have those options a lot of times because the healthcare space isn't super portable. Those records are typically held by individual providers or by the technology companies. Um, so that was, a, that was a big problem he was trying to solve. Second one is around clinical trials, and this, this one's a pretty big issue, but um, there's, there's a lot of issues related to clinical trials, and particularly with COVID now. But, you know, you have issues with uh, under-enrollment, uh, trial failure, um, 
incredible cost. I mean, I think the, the number that always sticks in people's heads, it takes approximately a billion dollars to create a new drug. So any way that you can use a digital arm to be able to reduce some of those issues and costs, that's kind of our goal. And then finally, the kind of the, the, the core piece of this is, is if you really think about it from a patient perspective, one of the biggest areas of patient improvement is around wellness and particularly mental health and wellness. It's a topic that you're seeing a lot of movement in the space right now. You're particularly in the digital space, you're seeing digital consultation, telehealth, all these things that are happening. And so that was an area that we, we saw about you know 18 months to two years ago as a key area and we've been working towards that ever since. Yeah, certainly perhaps more relevant now more than ever. Absolutely. Part of what you mentioned there, I definitely want to highlight in terms of the problems that you identified that came through the experience of yourself and your team in terms of really like basically delivering services across a, a career and having a really intimate understanding of the problem space. That's, that's a pattern that we've seen a number of successful product companies use consistently. The extent of like the subject matter expertise is important, but to truly get a better understanding of the problem space, there's really nothing, there's no substitute for working within the industry for which you're now looking to solve problems, right? So yeah. you offer the services, you identify the patterns of those problems, then you look for opportunities to kind of innovate and build products around those problems to offer that solution back to the market. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing that. If you could talk to us a little bit more too about, uh, obviously there's a couple of different things you guys are working on problems wise. So talk to me about the concise nature of your value proposition, like where the relative strength of that lies and how you communicate it to people. And then I'm also curious to learn more from you about your target market, your target audience, the personas in it, right? Who are you speaking to? Who is the solution for? Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I mentioned that we kind of have a, clinical trial and a wellness related aspect of it. And I would say each of those have different users. Um, so from a, you know, again, everything is about the patient at the end of the day, how do we improve people's health and, and the outcomes related to it? Now that's a pretty broad term. So you, you have to partition it off. Um, I would say typically our, our, our sales cycle focuses on working with healthcare thought leaders, um, which typically are, CEOs of hospital systems, our policymakers, you know, we're, we've been talking with a number of different state level policymakers about the econometrics work we've been doing related to COVID-19 and those different things. Um, and, and data scientists and those sort of folks. Those, those are typically the people that we're, we're selling a lot of this stuff to. The actual users though, um, you know, if you think about it from a trial perspective, I'll give you an example. You know, we're, we're working with people who are ex-professional athletes um, that have mental health issues and we're trying to figure out creative ways to improve their functional integration, wellness, and um, improve, improve their health outcomes. So um, that's, that's a typical user for us. Uh, now, from a clinical perspective, you're talking about bringing you know, patients in for um, any sort of surgical procedure, whether that's you know, brain, heart, or ortho, whatever that may be. Um, so different people you know, going through that process uh, are the different things. So it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's product specific from a user perspective. Um, on the clinical side of things, I would say that the, uh, the value prop really is around uh, patient owned health wallets. So being able to provide the patient that opportunity to essentially go out and bid, bid on procedures with different healthcare providers. So saying, hey, again, you know, do I want 
maybe the most expensive, but the best neurosurgeon to do something, or do I want, or is this an easier procedure and I could shop this out to the cheapest option and being able to allow them to have that flexibility and choice in their model um, to be able to do that sort of piece of it. From the trial perspective, um, our, our, I would say our specific value prop is around um, the, the digital trial management component. So we're not trying to be, there's, there's a lot of EDCs that are out there. We're not trying to be an EDC, which is a electronic data capture, which is a typical way that trials run. We're not trying to be that, we're trying to be kind of a, a plug-in to that to be able to run a trial remotely, which is something that's not really done, hadn't really been done until COVID-19, and now is starting to become a thing in the digital trial space. And there's a lot of movement around it. So that's, uh, that's an area for us that's, that's been a differentiator for a while now. Um, and then finally, I'd say the, the, all of this wraps together in the wellness piece of it because those integrate into both the clinical side of things and the trial side of things, right? So at the end of the day, you're trying to improve health and wellness. And the wellness piece of it is really uh, just kind of a great add-on to those other two items. And thank you for sharing the details. It's super helpful to know as you kind of dive down a little bit deeper. But we're going back to something you mentioned as well, too, is everything starts with the patient, which I think is important. So it's definitely critical to have that in focus always, because the other thing I've seen done as well, too, and I've experienced this myself, where you get, you're working on a lot of cool things. Uh, you're working on a lot of potential solutions to problems for a lot of different people, different personas in the process. But then having that, kind of guiding point being what is, you know, how does all of this affect who we are focused on helping uh, is important to capture and just maintain that focus throughout uh, to help it kind of guide everything that you're doing moving forward. So very helpful. Thank you for that. So next question for you is going to be related to the problems that you've identified in the space for which Nika is intending to solve, right? What do the personas that you mentioned, right, the people that are going to be benefiting from using the product, what do existing solutions for them look like today? So what, what would Nika be compared against, right? Like, that's a different way for me to kind of ask, what does, you know, how are you differentiated from other options out there on the market? And, you know, how, what does the experience like for your customers and your users using Nika versus what they were previously doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and what I would say is in the healthcare space, there's a lot of uh, exciting innovation happening right now. And a lot of the things are very targeted and specific things that are focused on. Um, I would say, you know, the, the, because we're putting the patient first as kind of our guiding light, and that's an important part of everything that we're doing, um, I think the, the big differentiator for us is being able to provide a care continuum approach right? So there's a clinical aspect to it. There's a biological research aspect to it. There's a, a digital component to it. There's a financial economic component to it. So we, we've got a nice suite of things that, that helps across the entire care continuum, right? So we can take things from a very strategic level, right? So we can come in and say, you know, here, here, here are the issues that are happening from a care perspective all the way down to a very tactical level. Here's exactly what to do to fix it and to improve it. Um, now, what I would say in terms of differentiators, you know, one of the big differentiators is, is having a founder such as Dr. Kassam is really uh, important because he brings such a unique perspective to the healthcare challenges in the U.S. Um, you know, he was one of the initial leading voices saying that the COVID-19 crisis was probably going to last two years. Um, and, you know, he's been saying that since February, which is 
wasn't necessarily a popular opinion at that particular time. Um, but, you know, and he's built a team that, that really helps uh, solidify around his kind of proven track record that he's had over the years. So, you know, we, we started off as a early stage startup company talking with you know, CEOs of major hospital systems kind of from day one and hearing their problems and trying to figure out how to, you know, design and develop solutions at that level. So I think that's a big differentiator for us, right? It's understanding what are the structural problems in the healthcare industry as, as well as the patient problems uh, by having a leading doctor in the space. Um, and then the other aspect I would say is uh, for the specific technologies that we are building, uh, each of them has are, are now things that people are talking about a lot. Um, you know, the telehealth space, the digital uh, trial space, those sort of things, but they weren't necessarily popular topics when we started doing them two years ago. So um, our other differentiator is kind of you know, speed to market. We've, we've been kind of early on some of these sort of things and are able to, to provide a solution before other people are able to do that. So a few different differentiators for us. Yeah, one, one in particular that I would definitely reiterate is that subject matter expertise uh, mm -hmm. between you and Dr. Kassam. That's really invaluable, especially when you're looking to do any kind of innovation from a product perspective in a space. I think that's often it's underappreciated, but it ultimately, you will uncover where the knowledge gaps are if you don't have it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you can have a serious appreciation for that. Uh, I can definitely understand that being a major differentiator as well. And so you've, you've mentioned a couple of times this as well also, and there's another question I have for you with regard to telehealth, right? Because, and largely in part, potentially because of COVID, perhaps, like you said, there's been a fair bit of disruption in the space and there's some exciting things happening in health tech today, much of it's related to telehealth. So I'm genuinely curious, because uh, I do a fair bit of work in the healthcare industry as well too, where do you see the future of telehealth going from where we are today? Do you see, right, the pandemic being a catalyst for more, you know, accelerating change in the industry? And if so, what does some of that change look like? And then, you know, what's the future hold for you and your team at Nika Health related to all of this change and disruption? That's a great question. So at a basic level, COVID-19 has really put telehealth at the forefront of the conversation in, in healthcare. No surprise there, right? It's, if you look at any of the, the stocks that are doing well, a lot of them are telehealth based or video conference based, people having to figure out that piece of it. Um, you know, one challenge in the healthcare space related to telehealth though is that the, the reimbursement levels for procedures in telehealth aren't the same as inpatient procedures, right? A lot of healthcare organizations, um, they make most of their money from uh, high margin elective procedures. So think of knee replacements, shoulder replacements, spines, those sort of things. Um, and a lot of those have disappeared in, in the short term. Uh, even the CMS guide, guidance on that has basically uh, said that you know certain procedures aren't aren't allowed in the near term, but uh, are allowed in the long term. So we've seen a huge uh, you know revenue drop, thirty to fifty percent for a lot of these sort of organizations, and for a lot of these nonprofit organizations, um, you know they're they're running on a two percent operating margin right now. So they're they're not particularly financially stable even without COVID nineteen, and with COVID nineteen is is made it so that. The, there, there are some significant challenges from an operating perspective. And telehealth doesn't really solve that, 
right? It helps them in some of those situations, but it doesn't totally solve those issues. So I think telehealth <clears throat> will continue to grow. Uh, it will continue to, to be rolled out. You're gonna see a number of different solutions. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing video conferencing solutions such as Zoom and Microsoft trying to take on more of a role in the telehealth space. Um, you know, there's, there's some HIPAA related laws and different things that go into that that might make it challenging. But, you know, I think it's such a big marketplace and there's, there's so much movement there that I wouldn't be surprised around that. You know, one of the big challenges is that the, the HIPAA component, the, the uh, CFR 7 and all those sort of things are, the, those sort of regulations make it very difficult for uh, organizations to build technology in the space because there's a lot of things you have to design for. So we'll see what happens, but I expect to see more startups, more growth in the space, more things happening that way. And I think the future of healthcare in general is going to be something that, you know, do you really need to go to a hospital? Do you really need to go see a doctor a lot of times? And I, I think there's a lot of situations where that's probably not necessary and telehealth will be something related to that. For us, the, the telehealth space gets really exciting around mental health and wellness. Um, and you're already starting to see a number of VCs and app companies receive money for technologies in this space. You're starting to see a lot of investment here, um, you know, in various areas, whether it's like wellness related to meditation or guidance and different things like that, mental health, guidance, counseling, coaching, those sort of things. Um, so that, that's what we're really excited about. Um, you know, like, as I mentioned, we're, we're doing some trials and different things related to mental health and wellness uh, currently. And, you know, we really have seen some great digital solutions that can help those sort of things out, right? If you have a, a great mental, uh, you know, mental health counselor or um, psychologist and are able to, to partition their time to people all over the world, there's some great results related to that. So that's what we're really excited about. Um, you know, areas that we really see some, some focus is sports, you know, brain, brain injury from sports, veterans, different things like that. that we, that's kind of the area that we're expanding into and where we see things going. It is certainly very exciting to think about the future in terms of you can increase the, the reach of patients and providers for these use cases that you mentioned. I think the, what we're likely to see in terms of technology and innovation in the space, it's exciting to think about. So, you know, there's obviously plenty of uh, news that isn't great to go around given the nature of the pandemic, but some of the silver lining I imagine is what we're likely to see innovation wise come out of it because of the adversity and the challenges experienced by it. So awesome. Uh, Jared, I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing your knowledge with myself and the audience. I have uh, only two questions for you before we let you go. The first is what resources, if any, would you share with our audience where they can go to learn more about what either you and your team are working on or more about the space in general? Well, if you want to learn more about Nika, you can go to, um, you can go to nikahealth.com and you can find us and that's spelled N-E-E-K-A and health the way you'd expect.com to find more about us. If you're interested in the space um, more from a, uh, research perspective, there are a number of great articles that, that we can point to and we can provide some, some links to. But, um, you know, there's some really interesting research coming out of John Hopkins related to COVID uh, and some of those, those uh, scripts are doing some really great things um, as well. So, you know, there, there's a number of different areas that you can go. Uh, I, I think everyone's talking about kind of the COVID-19 in healthcare space right now. So there's probably a lot of different ways I can point you 
from that perspective. Excellent. Thank you. I'll get some of those links from you and include them in the show notes. And then last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, well, if, you know, if anything we spoke about today was interesting, if you're working in the healthcare space, just interested in learning more about what we're doing, please reach out. Um, you know, absolutely feel free to, to connect with me you know, and uh, always happy to, to entertain different people and what they're trying to do. So. Excellent. Uh, is there any particular method of communication that works best for you in terms of getting a uh, connection with you? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, probably the best way is LinkedIn easiest to find me, um, Jared Sheehan, and you know, you'll, you'll be able to figure out who I am. So that's probably the, the easiest approach to go. Perfect. I'll link to that as well. Well, I can't thank you enough, Jared, for being here and sharing both your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Thanks for having me. It was, this is fun. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you or anyone you know is involved in scaling a B2B SaaS business, please have them reach out to me about becoming a potential guest on our show. They can email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. This time, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, Next Step Consulting. Would you like to know what the right next steps are for your B2B SaaS business? Are you trying to grow and scale, but you're stuck? We can help. To find out how Next Step can help your B2B SaaS business achieve its goals, please email me, sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Thanks and keep disrupting. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.